my people, YET, the Haitian diaspora living in Haiti podcast. See Janty's here. We're doing what we do here on the podcast. We're having conversations about Haiti. We're having conversations about the diaspora, the different experiences, the very multifaceted, multi-diverse uh, <laughs> uh, conversations, experiences that we have here. And, 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 we, and we have it in a way that the goal is to empower. The goal is to have us take something in this conversation and use it for our experiences of what every Haitian I've met who really understands and appreciates their culture, what they want to do, which is what? Get back to Haiti, get back to impacting, get back to influencing. And uh, and it's, it's always so great to have the sort of guests that we do uh, each week here. It's, it's just really in these COVID times really has been something that I've really has been the nugget, the diamond, surprise diamond that, uh, that we've gotten out of just very tough situation. And, and what's the best part of all of it too is I don't do it alone. I have my co-host, my man in arms. Yeah, yeah. What's going on, everyone? It's Pastor Mark. Yes, Pastor Mark Antoine, guy who, who's, uh, you know, uh, also left Haiti to to be uh, part of the change. And he, and he, you know, does it in a way that, of course, influences folks morally, influences folks in a fashion that uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on business and this and that. But Mark also is about business, but also taking folks uh, in a in a direction that will also empower them spiritually, which is which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so we have an incredible guest. I can't. I just I got to talk about that. You know, I've I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. I have to tell you, this is someone who is just blazing it up on YouTube. She's been having massive growth uh, in that domain. And, and what she, what's so special about our guest here uh, is that she's someone who has a perspective and experience in Haiti that we need to hear more about. And that perspective is, is one of a deportee. And, and, and why this is so important, it's just we don't, you know, there's this taboo. I mean, even myself, when I moved back to Haiti, you know, there were so many Haitians who couldn't believe a Haitian move back. <laughs> like, oh, this guy has to be a deportee. And I'm like, so what? And what if I was? What if I was deportee? Okay. But but that doesn't mean it. You know, it doesn't mean it. You know, what, I'm back and I'm looking to impact. A lot of deportees are in that same situation. They're back looking to impact. And and Murray has been someone who uh, has certainly um, used her opportunities to the maximum. Her YouTube growth has been exceptional. She's leveraged so many reviewers to help and impact the, the, the Haitians that she's been uh, meeting and in fact, just this, just this eve, just this morning, in fact, that she dropped an episode uh, that uh, showed she built a brand new home, a family home for someone. We're going to talk about all this. But uh, so my guest is Marie Saint Velust. I'm going to my toujours chaque nom, toujours chaque nom. But uh, so Marie, how are you, Marie? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? You know what? We're 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 good hanging out. Doing well, you know, through grace of goodness and grace of God, yeah. you're doing great. You know? I want to thank you all for having me. Um, mm-hmm. It is a pleasure and also a blessing. Yes, 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 yes. And Marie, of course, right off the bat, I can tell you, you have probably of all of our guests, you have such a welcoming, chill voice. <laughs> if if this whole what you're doing doesn't work, you can probably do ebooks or something. I can tell you, Marie. You got it. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you, thank you. I think that's that down south slur. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Yeah, because yeah. you were. We're always cool. Yeah, down south isn't because you were in Texas. 
Yes, I grew up in Texas. Nice, nice. So, so you know, uh, I, I summarize you as someone who's impacting uh, Haiti uh, as a deportee through YouTube and other activities. But, but if you can give folks just a, ver- just a brief summary of of yourself and and who you are before we get into the nitty gritty, you know, let let folks know. You know, who is Marie Saint Vilust? Well, a little bit about Marie Saint-Villis. I was born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, actually Canapéver area. I left Haiti at the age of seven with my parents, of course, and my parents migrated to the U.S. So um, I actually, my parents would come back and forth to Haiti, but I really detached from Haiti due to the experience I had from Haiti. But Mm. I'll get into that a little bit about myself. You know, I'm just someone that wants to make a change that wants to see children actually get educated and Mm -hmm. in the process also see them eat, Mm -hmm. see the parents get independent so that, you know, that can continue. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just another person that wants to be in addition to my country instead of coming here and adding to the problems that we already have. Yeah, listen, I, I can understand that perspective. Um, even myself, as someone who wants to come and impact, you know, and I've turned down, I've had businesses businesses that I've run that I've changed the model completely when I realized I was part of the problem and not part of the solution, right? And so, and so that's awesome to hear, Mary. We've got so much to talk about, so much to get into <clears throat> today. And then before we do, as, as, as you're listening, uh, Pimpo IT, the Haitian diaspora, living in Haiti podcast, we're on everything. We're on YouTube. You can find us on CGNT, uh on YouTube, but on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify. If you type in Haitian diaspora, living in Haiti podcast, you will find the podcast. We're on everything. We're on everything. I'm telling you, whatever, if it's a podcast, if it's streaming, you can find us there. So if you do go over, follow, right, do like, do comment however you're listening to it, because uh, we need to get these stories out. We need to increase the ROI, return on information. The more we know, the better we can perform, and the ultimately, the bigger impact of the change, right? Cool, cool, cool. So, Marie, on nous commence, Marie. Um, so, you, mm-hmm. you're you someone who, uh, at the very beginning, you, that means you were born. You were born in Haiti, right? Where, where in Haiti were you born? In Canapéve, I want to say, I'm the Fête l'Hôpital Général, oui. Okay, okay. At the hospital, main hospital over there in Canapéve. Canapéve, of course, for folks, it's uh, it's really at the, it's really in Port-au-Prince, like the Port-au-Prince proper, like the metro area of Port-au-Prince. That's the Canapéve is yes. a part of that, for folks who don't know. And uh, so you were born there, grew up for, for how long? I mean, I grew up in Haiti up until the age of about seven, almost eight. Um, Before leaving Haiti, you all, I always was sick in Haiti. I've been through, I have went through a lot in Haiti as a kid. So um, when when I left... Like what do you mean? Like like stomach ailments? Just like nutrition? Like what what was the... No. I was very... You know, the environment in Haiti before mm-hmm. my parents left to, to mm-hmm. America, we lived um, as the normal mass. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
a lot of times that I think I was allergic to maybe the the, the field somewhat mm. that we lived in. And even though my parents did their best, but, you know, when we left to America, you learned so much. Uh -huh. But growing up, you know, I had a lot of, um, you can say, eczema all over my body. Mm -hmm. um, I constantly had to cut my hair. Um, mm -hmm. I was bald. In addition to that, I am a child that was raised by her father. Uh -huh. um, I can remember as a little kid, my mother never once visited me in Haiti. So my dad, um, he went through a lot with me in Haiti as a man, his only child. In addition to that, me being a girl. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was shunned by family members in Haiti as a kid. So before my memories of Haiti before so good. <laughs> uh, as a kid was not very good. Mm -hmm, so when mm -hmm. I left Haiti, I kind of always said that I would never return. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can understand. And that's what happens to so many folks, you know, the, the interface of, of Haiti and it includes our parents, right? Our parents, their experiences, believe it or not, may have not been so great. Right. <laughs> and, so, and so, and so they share the perspective, unfortunately, and a lot of us believe those perspectives uh, until we get a chance to come back and, and, and try to actually change some of those things, if true. And a lot of times we see that they're not true. A lot of things are shared. But uh, but so that's tough. So you had a tough childhood. And then and then so around seven, your your dad, how did he get the ticket out? <laughs> to use that expression. OK, well, the Clintons um, had a program which they ran in Haiti between, I want to say, 1992, 94, maybe up to 96. I'm not sure because I was young. And at the time, with the political instability we had in Haiti, the embargo, um, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> to get out of Haiti through that program. And my father had applied and he was granted political asylum okay. out oh, of wow. Haiti. And okay. with that political asylum, it you know, also accommodate him with the benefits of bringing his wife and kids. Mm. So that is how we were able to leave Haiti. Okay. When we got uh, we at the time Haiti was on a no flying zone mm. and we were bused to um, Dominican Republic and from Dominican Republic there we were able to 
catch a plane to the U.S. So that was the biggest blessing. Okay, okay. So to repeat for folks who, who aren't uh, Creole speakers, uh, 92, 93, uh, there's a special program. Your dad applied, got political asylum, and actually went through uh, Dominican Republic to to then um, you know be in be in America. And where in America did you guys end up landing? Did you guys travel a little bit? I don't say travel. I move around a little bit, but or just you went to one particular location and, and kind of stayed we there. Went, we went to Florida and mm-hmm. my dad have always dreamed of going to Houston. I don't know why, you know, now <laughs> when I think back about it, I'm like, how did he know about Houston, Texas? Right, right. But he has always had a vision. He's always a man of vision and he accomplished them. So they tried to drop us off in Florida. Mm-hmm. And he was he made a fuss about that. And right then and there, they found us a sponsor in Houston, Texas. His name is Mike, actually a Vietnamese dude. Interesting. And they sent us to Mike in Texas. And from then on, that is where we live. That is where I was raised. And now he's actually deciding to give Florida a chance. <laughs> by I, I, himself. I imagine when you when you guys went to uh, Houston, there were not many other Haitian families. Is that correct? You, you, did you grow up the Actually, only Haitian family, there, or there were others? There were other Haitian family. We have a Haitian community. It wasn't. It's not near as big as Florida or New York, but there is a Haitian community in Houston. Haitian on tout côté, oui. Where we ended up living, there was a Haitian family. Actually, I am still friends with them until today from the day I came to Haiti all the way until now as we speak. So yes, there was there's Haitians in Houston. Awesome. 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 Now no, so now you're seven years old or eight years old, nine years old, however you're young and living in Houston. Now that must have been a shock, right? When you from from a, from Haiti to to America, like how did as a child, how did you and of course, language. I'm sure. I'm not sure if you're you're a fluent <laughs> English speaker to begin with. So walk us through that transition. Yeah. You know how how difficult was it? It was like, difficult. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult. Misé nous passer là nous fait contrôler parce que parlons pas de parler anglais. Yo pas qu'on lit anglais. Moi même tout comme un timon. Moi pas de parler anglais. And of course. Didn't have the things that other American children had. Um, I didn't, you, you didn't look the same. You didn't walk the same. Your parents didn't walk the same. They didn't talk the same. So <laughs> it was a whole nother battle when yeah. I got to Houston, Texas. How was school? How was like that? Like the, that just first day, second day, third determined. day? I was mm-hmm. determined to, to learn. I was actually I was a very smart kid in school because mm-hmm. I can remember um, one day us going through the immigration process and my dad got a letter and he called another Haitian and 
you know, he basically embarrassed him. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I knew then that I was going to do everything. I had a dictionary as a book wow. and I was gifted that by some Jehovah witnesses that mm-hmm. knocked on the door mm-hmm. and they took on to me period. Anyways, these, these was awesome, great people. They tutored me and they also gave me a Creole and English dictionary. So from there, that was my best friend. So I would read this every day. I just started learning. I've always been great in math. Thank God, no matter where you go, one plus one is good. So I always excelled. uh, You know, one plus one is two. So I excelled in math. And that's kind of like how my teachers started embracing me. They knew had it not been the language barrier that I would be doing better. I was placed in ESL. I just started, um, I was determined. You know, I have that type of personality. Once I, I have to be very careful what I get into, which will bring us up to why I'm in this situation. But once I am into something, I can be very um, impulsive and compulsive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so you grew up in Houston, and and I mean, did you finish high school? Like, how, how, so how did that eighteen to you know twenty? How did that how did that pan out? What were you doing professionally? You know, were you, what were you doing so, working wise? How how was that? I, well, from then on, you know, I'm in school. We end up we were staying with another family. My mom ended up pregnant, so we moved. When we moved, I ended up staying in a different area. My mom and dad were having difficulties, so I got my first job, which was at Spin Cycle Wash Material. And, you know, I spoke to the dude. I was about 14 when I got my first job, and he was like, you're not supposed to be working. And basically, I begged him, and I was a good kid. So he said, with my parents' permission, my mom and dad gave me permission. So I got a little job, started working. In that process, um, I ended up meeting my children's father there. Uh and my life I I still went to school I didn't even graduate Um, I started just spending all my time with him in my senior year I ended up pregnant with my oldest child once being pregnant I just decided that you know I was going to go back to school and get my GED and yes. you know, life threw so, me. So, curves. so you were. Mm-hmm. Let me jump. So you were you like were you fifteen at the time? Sixteen? How, how old were you there? Ooh, I got pregnant at sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. I end up meeting him, fourteen, almost fifteen. Okay. And I got pregnant at sixteen and had my daughter probably a few months before turning seventeen. And 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 he was also going to your same school or just just same age and working there. He and, was three years yeah. older than okay, me, okay. and okay. he was uh, in a lifestyle of selling drugs. Uh, His, you know, mm-hmm. he had never had a job. Mm-hmm. He didn't grow up with a father. His father actually was military, but he ended up going to the military and got addicted to drugs. Mm-hmm. And once wow. he came back home. 
he basically, um, you know, he played a negative role in their life. And gotcha. him and his brother, they just took on to the streets. That was how they helped their mother. And now he and I had got together. Don't get me wrong. I always was the girl, the good girl that didn't do anything. But when you expose yourself to those type of people, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, then you expose, you know, I had never seen drugs a day in my life. I never seen, I've seen cigarettes, people smoking them. I ever, in the house, my dad smoking and drinking, uh, especially drugs. That was something that I had never seen. Then from being with him, my father was so upset and constantly getting on to me. Of course, hated him with everything in him. And I end up being rebellious and said, you know what, Dad, I'm moving out. And, of course, he made a fuss about it, and I ended up pregnant. So then, you know, <clears throat> once I got pregnant, he basically calmed down about it and started mentoring me, you know, telling me, baby, we are Haitian. We didn't come to this country for that. Basically being that when I look back, then I was young, I, I looked at it like he was getting on my nerves. But now when I look back, it was a father that loved his child with his whole heart. Yeah, of course. And yeah. basically he was hurting and he was chasing after me all over Houston. And I was running away from him all over Houston then. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, that's but, yeah, that's that's so, and I understand, like you know, you, you know, you're 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 a child at 16, 14, 15, like, and and then you get around certain people and child children are influ influenced. They can be influenced in any direction, right? And so, and it sounds like you were influenced in a direction that wasn't ideal, and that's uh, certainly makes you know put things in context, right? And then once once you start going on that road, unless something can sh really powerful can shock you out, you know, um, it it, it it's not surprising things can evolve. And so, and so at that point, as, as the road, as you are going down that road, you know, tell us ultimately, you know, the, the final, final end point in terms of that got you uh, deported. Right. And that mm -hmm. happened very quickly after that, or was it many years later? How did, oh, how did that it was, it was really okay. Well, in the mm -hmm. process, mm -hmm. I end up having my daughter mm -hmm. and once I have my daughter, which is a June and two of 2000, he didn't spend a month home. By the time she was one month old, he was already heading to prison. And that's because he shot somebody. Uh, well, it was self-defense, but okay. because he ran from the scene, that mm. he still was punished and he was sentenced for four years. So for wow. four years, you know, I end up getting myself together. I got a good job. You know, um, I was working for LTD Financial. There is different departments within one company. Mm -hmm. I worked PPA, which is um, partial payment plan, where we were basically collecting bills. And we had all sorts of different um, companies that we collected, B of A. So I was working, doing good, going back uh, and forth, trying okay. to go see him, going to church, listening <clears throat> to my parents more, doing what I was supposed to do. Well, December 15, um, 2004, he was released from prison. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And there started the problems again. So he mm-hmm. had promised me he was going to do good. He was going to do right. I had moved us all the way from the area which kept him in trouble and moved all the way in the A-Leaf area, well, Mission Bend area, if people is um, familiar with Houston, Sierra Pines, exactly, to get us all the way from the madness to, to change. Because remind you, no matter how I was living, I had awesome Haitian parents that constantly reminded me, baby, we are Haitian. Mm. If you allow this to go too far, they're going to take you away from us and you're going to get some back to Haiti. You cannot have him around. You know, if the police come or if they pull you over, constantly preaching to me, constantly. And, you know, I would listen for a minute. And then, you know, of course, when you in love, he's my first love, the first man. Actually, I always say if he would have been right, he would have been the only man that I ever been with. Uh anyways but that's in the past so when he get out of prison 18 days later I get a phone call and guess who's back going to county jail in the police car it's him Mm. so I go bun him out anyways so all in the process he kept going back and forth to jail back and forth to jail um, which made me now, I got an addiction to uh, pills. I started taking pills mm. because I was lonely. I needed to cope. I was stressed. I was the only one taking care of our our daughter. Mm-hmm. And in the process, I didn't have much help because my parents could only help me so much. I had daycare, this and that. So I started messing up and not really being you know not being on point with my decision making because I picked up a pharmaceutical addiction to help me with my I went to a psychologist and he once he prescribed me these meds I got addicted to you know because I yeah, was yeah. um depressed I, I well and, and I even then the, the, those drugs they're made to be addicted to right and on top of that if you have anything else going on in your life that that um you know, may amplify that sort of dependency, you know, and we get it. We were hearing that you're, you know, had these, you know, baby daddy sort of situations. And then on top of that, you know, um, a lot of stress, a lot of, you know, just, just, just roughness, you know, <laughs> that, uh, you know, folks who grew up uh, in America from, from the onset are, are American. They, they, they don't do well in, but Gunzi on the côté and then and then had you know base the difficulty santé health issues and all that sort of all dissolated to uh you know certainly uh where you where you were so we get it we get it so so when it yes. so when it so when so then so, you know so that so okay four years, all in that process I end up I, I I'm always I've always been one to be attached to friends. Mm -hmm. So in the same process, I end up meeting friends that were not friends through Mm -hmm. him, his Mm -hmm. homeboys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. Then, you know, I was pretty spoiled with with the stuff that he was doing. He made money and his homeboys would bring their friends around and uh, they baby mamas around and stuff like that. So I ended up being friends with somebody that I thought was a friend that's not a friend. Well, make a long story short, I end up getting pregnant again. 
um, you all, I went through some really depressing times then because I did not want to have uh, a second child. Yet, because of my religious belief, I do not believe in having an abortion. So I had to have my baby. However, I went through I, postpartum depression is real. I hated her dad. Uh, I hated the situation I was in. In addition to that, at that time, I knew the people that I admired most. I was basically, they were guiding me. I was disappointing them, yet they were still supportive of me. But because they had such expectations of me, and I always felt like I was letting them down, um, I ended up taking more and more pills. How I ended up going to prison, you all, I was doing good. Actually, the company had refurnished my house because now I had two babies. I like I used to like to have a lot of glass at my house. So mm-hmm. they changed it, just doing good. I now had a position within the company. Everything's good. So my this particular friend who I ended up going to prison with, she had just gotten out of prison. Don't add, do you know, when I say this story today, you all, I, I'm like, what were you thinking? I just want to punch myself upside the head. But I have to understand that my afflictions is what made me who I am today. Yeah. So when my friend, she calls me when she gets out of jail, tells me she wants to spend some time with me. I tell her, fine. This was August 31st, 2006. So I tell her I will call in tomorrow and because I had some time on the book. I'm going to use that day. I'll have three days off. I'll go spend some time with you. And also another friend that we had, it was just, you know, it was us three. I will pick them up. Well, y'all, I never went back home after that because when I picked up my friend, she had she had a guy friend that she decided she wanted to go get him for his money. Mm. Well, because I was there and in the car with her, um, when she went to go get in the car with him, I don't know what happened when they were in the car. That's just the honest truth. But I know she came running back to the car. From then on, when she got in the car, she was like, come on, let's go. We left. You know, but when God is after you, you know, you can't run from him. And I say that in a because sometimes when bad things happen, it turns out to be for for your betterment. Mm-hmm. Within seconds, you are of this taking place. Um, I'm so I'm tripping. I'm like, what is going on? You know, like what just happened? A stop sign is right there. I yield. Yeah, I didn't stop which Mm. is the truth. So the officer had every right to pull me over and an officer is right there. So the officer pulls me over and I'm like, what is going on? She's like, we cannot stay because the dude is following our car. So the dude pulls up behind the officer and from then on, we took off, thought we were going to go on a high speed chase and we didn't get far at all. So, and that's where I was sentenced to Texas prison for robbery for mm-hmm. 15 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just, just to run that back. And, so, so basically this friend 
um, had you be accomplice to uh, a robber oh, wow. into this person's, I guess, home or whatever, wherever the person mm -hmm. was, robbed them, but then right away, uh, cops were on your tail, and then and then you got arrested. Mm -hmm. Just make sure I understood. Yes. Okay, that's a horror. You know, tale. Wow. It, you actually, way, it sounds like you live in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's very true. You know, because a second of the dude had not called the police. None of that. That's why I always say. Afterwards, I ended up finding out that the man was a Christian man. He was a good man and actually spoke to not sentence me so harshly mm. because he told the story. But that just shows you that you cannot touch God's child. Mm -hmm. He didn't even call the police. God called the police for him that day, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mm, and, crazy. You know, and, and so did you, mm -hmm. did you did you serve the at 15 or how did that work? Or and then when you're mainly well, deported? Texas prison is very tough. So when you go in with that kind of charge, you have to do half your time. Okay, seven years. So I did seven and a half years just to see the parole board. Mm -hmm. I was denied four times, and the fifth time I was granted release. Mm -hmm. And by the fifth time, I had set out 13 consecutive years of my youth behind um, Texas bars. How old wow. were you when you when you went in? I was 22 wow. when I walked in and I walked out 35, wow. three months and shy of my 36th birthday. Mm. And, and then and how did that work? So once you got out, did they immediately deport you? Like it's literally got out the prison. Like, okay, here's the bus back to the to the plane and, and get out. You know, how did that not immediately? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. Um months mm -hmm. before actually I went to see parole and um I found out well one day I'm just sitting there in my cubicle and they I get a call, line control. When I get to line control, I get a pass. And that pass was an immigration hope that immigration wanted to see me. So I knew then um, that they had caught up with the fact that I was not a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. So immigration contacted me by phone. They asked me some questions. They asked me about my parents. Um, they didn't care about my children because the law has it now that you having U.S. citizen children does not really, it helps you based on what you are looking for. But in my uh, case, mm. no, I could have had 50 U.S. citizen children. It wouldn't have helped. <laughs> mm. The only thing that would have helped me is having a mother, a grandmother, grandfather, mother, that was a U.S. citizen before I turned the age of 18, which I did okay. not have. Yeah, mm -hmm. my parents had they were now U.S. citizen. However, they became a U.S. citizen after I turned 18. Right. So now I was denied that application and was summoned to see the judge. So once I was released and processed out of TDC, I never got a chance to walk out of jail, period, because wow. um, the federal agents were right there waiting, right and there. I was transported right into their hands, and I was taken back to Montgomery County, which is to Houston, which is where I'm from, to see the judge there. Wow, wow. And then from there, of course, you know, one thing led to another, and then you're on a plane 
um, to to Haiti. So imagine I can only imagine you spent 13 years behind bars and then and then, you know, hoping to be free. And then here, lo and behold, when you actually out out you it's it's you coming off of the Port-au-Prince on onto the Port-au-Prince airport tarmac, <laughs> basically. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, into a, a whole new world. Wow, yeah. that's, that's 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 hard to wrap my mind around. I can tell you, and I, I can only imagine oh, you were also just like, wow, you know, just what's going on. You know, you yourself trying to sort of come to terms with it and everything. So, how, how did first of all, how did you feel when you know when you knew for sure, for sure? I guess when that judge or however said, hey, you're, you're you're leaving the country. How did you feel initially? And then, and then as as it became, it became real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, um. In court that day, no one was allowed in but my mother. My father, he was on there by phone because he was not in the state of Texas. And my father actually had hung up, but my mom, she sat there and went through it. And you know how Haitian moms is. It was the worst day of her life. You know, I, I was teaching her something. She didn't even know, mm-hmm. and she was begging and crying and giving them 300 reasons why her child mm-hmm. should get a chance. Mm-hmm. And really, once he said denied, um, I think right then and there, how I felt was I had gained another life sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 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 That was my initial feeling. Yeah, And, you know, I knew I was... Now it was like when I was in court, when I saw them, I was saying bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whenever I could visit them, but I was saying bye again mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it would be whenever I can visit with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all kind of stuff started flashing. I didn't want to look at her when they walked her out. I, of course, held my head down. Right. And everything that she had ever told me. Not to do, you know, all kind of stuff was going through my mind. I couldn't think. Right, right. Yeah. I I didn't want to think. Yeah, and 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 then so from there, how quickly did that transfer happen? Was like same. Was like same. Like you know, when you watch TV, it makes it like the same day. But no. Okay. You know, they have to process your information. But I'm going to tell you, God showed me favor in, in that process. You know, I was working in there. Um, I had been in prison so long, I did not, I wasn't like the normal person they picked up off the streets for immigration that had a job, had money, and had people that can, you know, I had not a pair of panties, not bra. I had nothing to come to Haiti with but mm-hmm. my two hands and feet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had contacted my immigration agent. Actually, he came to me because he and I had spoke within the three months I was there. He actually grew to like me and would always tell me, I hope that, you know, you don't get deported. But the day I was deported, he just came and talked to me and, you know, basically told me good things. And then, you know, I, w- I shared with him that I had nothing. And he said, well, I can get permission to get you to get a back, but you just got to just pray with me. You know, we got to see if we can get permission because the warden of the unit does not allow that often. Well, get a what? Get a back? 
get a, get a, a bag of where uh of stuff a luggage a okay, luggage of okay, stuff to, to go because with you to Haiti. okay gotcha. so my family can bring but mm -hmm. you know god was on my side so my family was able to bring a luggage okay. of 30 pounds and i got on the plane a week exactly from my court date and came on home to haiti and what year was this this was I got to Haiti June the 4th of 2019. Okay, recently. Sorry, Mark, you were going to say something? Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a question, but right before the question, you know, I just wanted to take a pause and just say, Marie, thank you, you know, for sharing this. We we know it's, you know, you, you've been through a lot of trauma and, you know, I can hear it in your voice. And I know it's not easy talking about, you know, the situation and reliving that. So really just thank you for, you know, sharing, sharing that and being open to sharing that with us and all the listeners. Um, the question, the question I had was really around, you know, your daughters, um, you, you were away, I think you said for 13 years. Um, and I know your, your mom was at the, the hearing. Um, but how during that time, were you able to see your daughters? Were they at the hearing? How, how, how did all that happen? Everyone was at the hearing except for my father. Got it. However, only my mother was allowed to to get in. Mm. My one of my daughters is still a minor. She was she absolutely could not come in unless she was testifying. Mm. My oldest one, she was there and they were not allowed to come in the courtroom. Throughout my incarceration, um, they have been a fixture. You know, they love their mom. Come see me. They have wrote me. Mm -hmm. um, they have shared my, it was like they were, I put them in a jail too mm -hmm. because they would come visit me, spend time with me, have fun with me. And they would hear stories, of course, from the family about their mother. But they did not, especially my little one, I left her at two months old. So she did not get a lot of physical time with me. So us, our relationship is a good relationship, but we did not have that physical bond to where like my oldest, I left, she was seven years old. Mm -hmm. So my oldest, she, 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 you could, she doesn't know her mama, but she knows her mom. Yeah, yeah. She has, she was raised with me and stuff. So and, you know, that's one thing I was thinking about, you know, I was praying for the chance to go out and help my mom and dad because they have raised them for me. And if they're listening, y'all done an awesome job. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I wanted to go and actually be a mother first, you know, be a brother and sister, be a daughter and just rewrite my wrongs. Mm -hmm. So that opportunity right then and there was taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And in, they, that form, in that form. In, in that form. Mm -hmm. And actually I could have appealed and still been sitting at immigration waiting on the appeal. But one thing I had wrestled with and I had told my parents and my, my kids, you know, was if the worst happened, it was like I had been, it was like, if I'm really sick and you see me in pain and I can't make decisions for myself, let me go. Mm -hmm. I had 
became so accustomed to being in prison that I did not want to lose myself there. I wanted to be free. Mm -hmm. I wanted to not hear count time. Like mm -hmm. I was sick, but not sick. Mm -hmm. I was tired of being in prison. So if I didn't appeal it, I didn't want them to be mad with me because I felt like I was tired and I am Haitian. So if they want to send me back to my country, hey, you'll, send go back. you'll go back. So, so now you are in Haiti you're off the plane, got your luggage, your, your 30 pound luggage that, you know, you're blessed to get. And now what, who picks you up at the airport? Where do you go? That first, when you first walk into wherever you actually are staying, you know, that, I guess, shock, perhaps, you know, driving around the city for well, the first time. Talk to us about that. That first day, that first few days in the country. Talk to us about that. Well, when I get the immigration hold, that's the first thing. You know, my, our family members here, you know, uh, they didn't have the space. They lived in abject poverty. It was crazy. Is, and please know it's not because the ones in the state have not extended a hand. Every hand they've been extended, been misused. So it led my parents to not have anywhere for me to go. But one thing I always knew was I had a secret. I had somebody in Haiti that I always longed to see was my biological mother, the woman who had me. So... I asked my father to get in contact with her. And my dad was like, no, no. And I, I, I told him, I said, dad, look, if I'm going to Haiti to be mistreated by anybody um, because of the situation, I didn't know what I was going to face. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be, I'd rather it be by her. So my dad, of course, made some phone calls. And, you know, we make a phone call to Haiti. They can find anybody. <laughs> so found her and basically told her the story. And she was more than happy um, to receive me. Mm. So that is who her, my little brother, and my little sister, who I met in person for the first time in my life, at 35, they were at the airport. So, so to, to be clear, so to be clear, because you were mentioned, you're saying mom before. So, when you're saying mom before, like mom that was in the courtroom, that was your stepmom, and then this mom in, in Haiti, that's your biological mom. Just to be clear. Yes, you will okay. hear me say mom a lot, and because the mother that didn't have me, I have, I do, I that word step is just the worst word to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because she has been an awesome mother. I never refer to my mom as step because mm -hmm. she is my mom. I hear you. And out of respect, I don't want to take my biological mother's title from her. Mm -hmm. So I also I kind of like want you to stay in sequence. Mm -hmm. So you kind of know which one I'm talking about. So when I say my mom in Haiti, I mean my biological mother. Okay. who had me however today was that day was the first day um you know I, I was going through so much that day I, I cannot even pinpoint all of my emotions because here I was torn living leaving behind everything I was familiar with not only was I coming into the country unknown 
but it don't, don't mean that I, I didn't even know how my biological mother looked. Um, it was through a sign and that I that she would identify me. So that was just crazy too. But finally, and it took all day, everybody had left. So I was devastated. Even the officers that was there, they um they 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 knew my pain. They felt my pain. Of course they knew the situation. They had got a bus of deportees. And um, they knew that I knew nothing about the country. So they were very protective of me mm -hmm. because I was deported with three girls, two other that never actually made it to the U.S. through Mexico. So Haiti was their country. They had just left Haiti six months prior. So, okay, they, so they knew, knew the country. They knew the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But me, you know, I didn't speak my language good. If they were people were talking fast, you know, I didn't understand them. So mm -hmm. it was, um, and then when I actually got down and I saw the state of our country, the face of this beautiful woman, this fragile woman, it, that that itself is what impacted me the most. Mm -hmm. Like um, I mm -hmm. had spent years in prison, but. Even then, when I left America, what I was familiar with, without all the advanced stuff that everybody say has went on, you know, I knew that life like this was not acceptable. It was not how it was supposed to be. And I saw all the trash, just stuff that I didn't like. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, we, we understand. Everyone's been to Haiti. It's, um, and though a lot of times when we do go to Haiti and, even the stuff I feature, you know, it's, you know, these hotels and these really nice resorts and, and these homes that are really nice by some affluent folks. But, but yet the reality for millions of Haitians, it's very different. Right. And it's reality. I think you're, you're bringing up it's, it's uh, so for example, so when you, your mom, you said she was very humble, you know, what, what was she doing to support herself? And ultimately, you know, were you, were you literally in like a bidonville or, or was it, more of a regular sort of home, like um, mm -hmm. my mother lived in um, Boyle, mm -hmm. and you all, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, um, I felt like I, you know, in prison, there's a term that say you get a unit transfer, a UT. I felt like I had got a unit transfer that day to a worse unit. Mm. For the worst of the worst, mm -hmm. but the reality is this was my country, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I basically I, I've shared. I know I passed out for sure on the ride home. Mm. Didn't remember faces. Didn't remember much. Emotionally, I was shocked. Mm -hmm. um, made it home. Um, home was not a home. Mm -hmm. which to my mother is a home and today having explain, accustomed to explain to us like walk like what what was there to help us see that you know a lot of our viewers mm -hmm. may not may not you know was what was there in front of you describe mm -hmm. the house was barely covered um mm -hmm. it was pieces of toes put together mm -hmm. um it was just not good. It mm -hmm. was not okay. good. There okay. was no toilet there. 
for me to utilize the restroom, I had to either do it in a bucket mm -hmm. or if I had to really, you know, release myself, relieve myself, I had to do it in a bag mm -hmm. or go out into the field. Um, there was no toilet paper, um, normal stuff that, you, you know, even in prison we had access to. Didn't even we have didn't, that. Um, you know, they didn't have that. If it rained, um, you got wet. Mm -hmm. One of the main things, you know, I'm, I'm very afraid of mouse, rats, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The few blocks that they had up was not, it was no cement for real on it that they would constantly come in all over the room and I was dying. Uh, I was screaming, afraid, you know, waking up to, and, you know, they were looking at me like I was really strange. And I'm like, no, this is not normal. You know, I'm calling my sister back, you know, but anyway, so, you know, once I spent about two days not eating, no restroom. So actually I spent about two days down before I even found any of this out. Mm -hmm. Because my mother, you know, she gave me a room. She did her best, you know, with what she had to mm -hmm. give me privacy to allow me. But one of the main things when she picked me up, before she even got to know even my, my real name good, she whispered to me, mm. To know. Can mourn. Mm. Don't tell nobody that you will return to your country. Yeah, yeah don't tell me deported. Mm -hmm. Don't mm -hmm. tell them that. And you know, then she had stabbed me, you know, because I, I, you know, she was protecting me as I grew and grew. I understood, but I felt like she limited her daughter right then and there because she instilled some type of fear in me because a deportee is who I am. So let's talk about that. Let's explore that a little bit because that is certainly, I mean, I've, I've had, I've tried to get deep, you know, folks who have stories like yours, deported stories, but they won't be on, or if they do, they listen, don't, don't mention it. Right. You know, and, and, but that's like, but, 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 but I'd be like, no, that's why I want you on the show to share that side. That's a very important story to, to share. And, 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 and so even me, um, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, I mentioned, you know, even myself, I had folks who were coming to me, you, why, why are you here really? You were deported? You know, like, nah, I'm, <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. not, you know, and, but even if I was right. Uh, and so, mm -hmm. I, you know, I can't, you know, I guess the, you know, there was that element of, okay, what do they do over there that got them? Right. But I think it really gets at the heart of, you know, a failing of our society, which is that we don't really adhere to that Christian belief. And though we all, you know, Haiti is supposed to be. 70% Catholic and 30% Protestant, right? But we don't adhere to, you know, that very important tenet of, of redemption. I don't know, but but I don't know, for, from your perspective, Mavi, like what is driving that? Like, and, and did you really feel like when people did find out that you were deported, did you feel as if they treated you different? Like, tell us about that feeling mm -hmm. you got from other people when they found out. Well, I, I lived that secret, the... She's a just boy when they see me, and I wasn't comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, because here I was dealing with this mountain on my back about being deported. And now people putting their problems on me Mm. because now I cannot be myself because I was deported. So it became to where it was too much for me. So I wanted to tell the world I was deported. However, me being a deportee did not make me less human than you. I made a mistake. So get to know me. I had all these other positive people that loved me, that knew above me. You know, they knew the little girl. They knew the good side of me. They knew who I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, why should I allow people to make me walk with my head down? So in my around my, my mother's area, you know, I kept it to save face for her. Mm. So now people in the area probably know the truth if they watch me on YouTube, but to respect my mother and to honor her wishes, mm-hmm. unless other people, you know, went gossiping. You know, I'm not one. I didn't know people anyway, so I never really went out spoke to people I just stayed Mm -hmm. in the house Mm -hmm. so I never said anything but in the process of that I went to I went through some difficulties Mm -hmm. you know when you first come to Haiti you don't know the money I don't have an ID so everything everyone else is in control of and I'm not gonna lie I've been through some some uh, I've been mistreated here even by family members I've been taken through the dirt, mm. but all in that same process, I knew that I came to Haiti for a reason. I just had to get myself together. I started helping people right then and there. One thing I failed to mention was I knew I needed to make a difference for my mother. So I came in with 300 in my pocket. I started, I said, what can we do? about a few foods. I had hygiene. I started buying material. I start I, you know, got them to crep um the walls. The the floor was dirt. Um and my mom slept on that floor. So every time I seen her, it broke my heart, you know. So I started asking if we can find a boss, started buying blocks, started building it. How can we get a normal restroom here? I spoke to a friend. She started saying, well, what we can do is do a GoFundMe through Facebook. Remind you, she set up my Facebook because I don't I knew a thing about Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, that she, happened she like did. while you were in jail. <laughs> yes, Facebook, you know, all of that. Out. Yes. Right. So we did a GoFundMe. So uh, did a whole put up a toilet, just started doing most of what I could, you know. And once she got to where the house was decent, it's still not, um, it's decent for the standard of a normal Haitian. Not, uh, let me, I apologize Mm -hmm. because I hate to say that because our country is a very rich country. Mm -hmm. It is normal for a Haitian that's living in abject poverty. Poverty Mm -hmm. that they could not see their way out of without some major assistance. Right, right, right. You know, so, Mm -hmm. you know, the house is okay. I ended up, you know, it was too many people living there. So I ended up, um, 
I had got a few guys number that I was on the day I was deported. I reached out to them, asked some questions and boom, they were out here in Kenskov. I asked if there's a room that could be rented and I ended up moving because I wanted to live somewhere cold. So I ended up leaving. My mother went to Kenskov mm -hmm. and, you know, from then on, that's when I just decided, you know, I have to do something. I have to do something. And I started working with kids since day one, teaching them English, running a tutor. You know, you could see some of that through my Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, I started taking little kids to the doctor okay. because these little kids had reminded me of myself. My heart, I, I, I had compassion because I remember myself as a kid, how I was shunned and didn't get love. And I knew I never forgot that. So I can only imagine if somebody actually gave me a hug mm -hmm. while I was sick, how much I would probably still love that person. So I just wanted to give the love, the affection that I as a kid wanted. Uh, and I, that's just what I want to do. That's just what I want to do. So a big part of what you're doing too. So how, so you mentioned you did, so did the GoFundMe. How did that GoFundMe go? Did y'all raise what you what you needed? We raised about $515 or something wow. at that great. time. We asked for a thousand, okay. which was great. And yeah. you know how everything is expensive in Haiti. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we didn't get to do much, but mm -hmm. we sure did a lot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, awesome. when you start from nothing, mm -hmm. you, you that, that did a lot. So right, I think right. everyone that did donate. Awesome. And then, and then from there, Facebook, Facebook, when did you actually start getting into YouTube? And because I know it sounds like you were documenting a little bit of that um, uh, experience, but how did you sort of start to, did you start doing more? How, how did that happen? And I know Mark had a question. Mark, you Mark, yeah. Mark? Go ahead, Mark. You know, Mark, go ahead. Uh, how did the YouTube, the social media, how did you start getting into that? Well, I was, I would, the working around the guys, they would always, you know, and me working with the kids, Philly Dom is the guy's cousin mm. and Philly Dom is a YouTuber. What's so his name? Philly Dom. Philly D-O-M. Okay. Yes. Philly Dom. Okay. And he's, uh, he's a, he's a very good dude. Very good dude. So when he came in, you know, my initial thought was like, I should talk to him. <laughs> he could teach me something, you know, because one reason why I was shy to do it was because I didn't know how to do a lot. I, I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to upload. I was like a baby in pre-K with technology and I needed guidance. I needed someone to actually be my teacher and basically teach me my ABCs. So, and for most people in Haiti, they already really don't, they might know A, they really don't know much after that themselves. So, and then the language barrier with um, the people that I was around, well, Philly Dom comes, he speaks English fluently, speaks no Creole. He's a YouTuber. So I just took on that opportunity. Brother Love, the other guys around encouraged me. Hey, talk to him. Talk to him. You know, tell him what you're doing. Tell him what you want to do. And just tell him. 
And one day I just sat down and I said, hey, Dom, may I speak to you, this and that? He's like, yeah, you know, come here. So I spoke to him and he's like, that's all you wanted? He's like, hell yeah, I can help you with that. He's like, when do you want to get started? <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what the process is. And he's like, all right, this is what you, how you do it. This is how you do this. This is how you, I had already created Life in Haiti because I knew I wanted that name, Life in Haiti, and I didn't want anyone to take it. So I created the page from following instructions from a video on YouTube, and I never used it. So once I told him right then and there, he was more than happy. He started showing me he had the equipment. There he went. He taught me how to upload and everything from there. Um, Nice, nice. That growing. is how life in Haiti has started. You've been growing. You had seven at the time of this recording at seven k, and uh, and and you're growing. Uh, so that's great. You're really connecting with people um, from that perspective. Yes, yeah, that's, yes. That's 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 awesome. My my my, my question was, um, I know you talked. You connected with Philly Dom and, and some of these other guys. Have you connected with other um, deportees since you've been back and since you've been doing the show? Well, honestly, um, most of the guys that I am around are deportees. They have at some point, some of them actually deported themselves because it was difficult for them. When I say deportees, you know, Haiti have a stigma that everyone that's deported committed a crime. You you got a lot of people, men and women, that were on that plane with me that were deported back because their paperwork were denied, mm -hmm. not because they had committed a crime. Mm -hmm. So you have mm -hmm. some, um, because not everybody gets approved, like especially right now with how immigration is, you, can, you could have left through the earthquake and you're, you know, with everything that happened to Haiti and you got that quick uh, temporary status. But after that temporary status ended, they decided you can go back to your country because your country is now stabilized. So in, in America, five, 10 years, you are deported. But you did not commit a crime. You didn't do anything to cause yourself to get deported. It was just you did not meet the requirements to get your paperwork so yes a lot of those guys they are um, they grew up in the U.S. and were deported back so not everybody on the team but you have a few that have traveled that path but how, how do how do because you mentioned no one really talks about it, but then how does it come up that one person's a deportee, <laughs> right? How does, how does that come up? <laughs> well, actually, you know, I've met 90%, not 90, I have only met one woman that was deported outside of myself and spent many years in the U.S., grew up in the U.S., but I always meet men that were deported back to Haiti, you know? And of course, a lot of people are ashamed to say that. 
a lot of people don't have that open table communication about that because either you have other Haitian friends around you and as soon as they hear that, no matter what their circumstances, they automatically look down on you. It is as if you should walk around with your head down or you shouldn't have an opinion as if you don't deserve to live because you were deported back to your country. You know, in conversation, I had to let one know, this is my country too. This, this country just doesn't belong to you. I am a mm -hmm. citizen of Haiti. Mm -hmm. So whether you accept it or not, just scoot over because no one asked you. Mm -hmm. So so now you're in the country, you know, your YouTube is, is sort of you're starting to gain some traction because Philly Dom is is kind of schooled you on, on on how to get content out, which is interesting because I, I think looking at your content, it's very raw. You know, you shoot on a on a was it an iPhone? Is it a Samsung? Is it a actually phone? I have an LG phone? LG, nothing LG. fancy, nothing LG. fancy. Mm -hmm. and, and you're just recording, and then at the end of the day, you know, halfway through the day, you just upload it up, you know, yes. but you always try to show different aspects, and it's very raw, it's very fresh. Even myself, I try, especially right now, since I'm out of the country, I try to watch, uh, um, I watch a good amount, right, uh, of what's yes. going on, and, uh, and of course, what's interesting is, as folks really key on your story, it is a story, like there's a beginning, and then there's a progression. For example, you, you had, you showed uh, an area of some family members uh, who had, like literally it was an empty lot that had just some tin shacks on there, right? Nothing else was mm -hmm. there. You're showing, you're walking around, showing the conditions and and your viewers responded. Your viewers are like, and, and God bless your viewers, you know, and they were like, you know, how can yes. we help? And they, they donated, you know, I mean, do, I don't know if you wanna talk about it. I mean, how, how much do they donate to ultimately get to what I wanna talk, what I see today which was there's a home now on that property. I'm sure there's going to be even more homes. You're only getting started, but like, how did I am getting started? But let me tell you what mm -hmm. life in Haiti number one objective is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What I want life in Haiti to be a staple of is getting children in school educated. I believe if we want positive change, I'm not into anything politics. But if we want Haiti to uh, have a fresher face in 20, 25, 30, 50 years, okay, uh -huh. we must educate the youth. Right now, Haiti is out of school. I'm like a workhorse and there's so much in front of me that I do not like. So while the kids are out of school, I just want to help families with children. And like I said, I went to, I'm not sure, well, if you have not been watching Life in Haiti, I went to my aunt's house. I went there once to visit, and y'all, I could not even do a visit because I am a person, it doesn't take much for me to, it's any little thing that doesn't sit right bothers me and I was so bothered to see the condition which they lived in. Mm. I never promised them a thing. I am a woman of action, if not of words. If I tell you I'm gonna do something, then that's exactly what I'm gonna do. 
I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't even have to say a word. I turned around, went back on my way. I never forgot about them. They've always been at my forefront. So when I got a chance to get my YouTube channel started, I decided, you know what? This is my opportunity to make a difference. Now, I remind you, my um, my aunt and them are strangers to me because I do not know them. What I know is their condition, and their condition is just unacceptable. So we go back to put a roof in because I noticed when I was there, it had rained prior to that, and literally, y'all, see Genty and Mark, that whole house was wet. Wow. It was so wet that it stunk. Mm. Because when you have stuff in a closed room that had been rained on and you didn't take them out to dry, you know exactly no matter what country you're in, what happens to that. So, you know, we just went back and I got the advice that we couldn't do that because if you the, the house was not the sh little room shack was not built with a foundation we know in Haiti that you need to have a uh, fair metal in homes metal yeah. is what keep if that was not a drop of metal anyways when the bosses told me that i just looked up and i was looking at him cuz i'm short and I was also talking to God at the same time. I'm like, oh, my God, I know you're not being funny, God. But then in the back of my mind, I knew if he took me to it, he's going to see me through it. So um, my, I don't know what out of my mouth. Uh, uh, I don't know what was talking for me. And I just said, let's do it. The house can't be. We can't put a roof on it. I am not throwing this material away that I have purchased. Mm. Almost 300 and something dollars. Guess what? Let's just do it. Do what needs to be done. Start the work. Come out here. Come to work every day. We're going to put this story out there and show people what we're doing. And I guarantee you God is going to work through people to get them a new place. And we have gotten that first project completed. Mm -hmm. Beyond, you, you come back and forth to Haiti. So you know exactly what life in Haiti is. More than that. I live in Haiti. Okay. <laughs> uh, so they were blessed to get even ceramic in the restroom. Wow. To ceramic. get uh, a restroom, restroom. Wow. You know, uh, to get the house painted, my uncle, I purchased them a bed, a good Pepe bed, not the fake that they remake and then you sleep mm -hmm. on it three days. And mm -hmm. no, he got him a good bed he can sleep on. And it, it's just for me, it is the most fulfilling feeling knowing I made a difference in somebody's life. That's awesome. It surely is. And and but but so. So that again, we certainly hope the growth of your channel continues. I mean, I I, I look forward to just every episode. You know, I, I know every day you, know, <laughs> you drop. You. drop and that's uh, I got a bomb for y'all. So just, <laughs> just y'all stay 
Stay tuned, Mark. Y'all watch Life in Haiti. Nice. And I just thank you all too, my brothers, because y'all are a part of the Haiti movement. We need more and more of us to love on Haiti, to bring awareness to Haiti yeah, and yeah. do right by our Haitian people community. Let me because, ask you mm -hmm. one, one last question, really. And that is for me, anyways, it was just like, so for, what advice would you have on, on, on a deportee? Like, you know, in terms of transitioning, like, because, you know, be strong. Be strong. Okay. To be strong. Mm -hmm. My The main advice is you got to stand for something so you do not fall for anything. One thing that I keep on my phone is be yourself because everyone else is taken. All right. Meaning, be you. And if you want to be, if you are a positive person, if you are a person that want to make a difference, do not allow others' opinion to detour you from that. Mm -hmm. First, always pray. Always pray and invite God in everything that you do. But you just stay strong, be determined. And for most of you all, you are fluent in multiple languages. Allow that to be your asset in Haiti. Because so many people don't have that ability. So you speak English, you have a voice. I'm going to tell you, that is, I was asking God, what can I bring to Haiti? You know what was, and I wrote it down. You know what the number one thing was? My English. Mm -hmm. Okay. How was I going to use my English to affect the community? How was I going to? use the years I spent going to school. And I, I did go back to school, okay, and get my G, got my GD. Mm -hmm. And I also, you know, spent some time, you know, taking college courses while during my incarceration. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to use all of that. I wanted, I knew I could help the Haitian people with my voice. Use your voice. Use your talents. Do not let anyone discourage you. You are right where God needs you to be. He is with you. Don't walk around with your head down. Don't worry about what your neighbor have to say. Because let me tell you something. You are special. I am special. I am loved. I am somebody's child. Just because I was deported does not make it that I should be on the side of the road in Haiti um, crazy. Yeah, yeah. That I should be on the side of the road, Sean, getting spit on, getting talked about, you know. And one thing you got to keep in mind, a lot of the time, look at that person's situation that's talking about you from what you know and from your experience. Do your opinion really matter? Uh -huh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so so that that really, I think we'll, we'll start to exit on that because, and, and let me just kind of summarize my feelings and thoughts, which is, you know, it's what you're doing, right? You're, you've trans, you're turning what really folks, someone who's perhaps before they experienced it would, would, would be a worst case scenario. And you're turning it really into the best case scenario because you're changing, you've changed the life of your mom, right? Her conditions have improved. You've changed the life of other family members. You're changing the life of kids in your community that you are because you're teaching them English, you're tutoring them, you're helping them get health. You're really making your one your life 
into something that is affecting dozens to soon there'll be hundreds to soon there'll be thousands and, and God willing, millions of people um, will be affected by you, Mario. That is something that, you know, when we say deportee, we have to say that proudly because this is someone who's come back. Um, and now they, especially if we give them opportunity, if we can embrace them, embrace what they what they have to offer in terms of, you know, whatever skill sets they may have had, right? If we can leverage that and incorporate that into the fabric of, of what we consider Haitian, that's only one more asset that we have um, for us, you know? Mark, Mark, this is really, this is really your floor here, Mark, because I know you can, you're probably itching to do a sermon on the, <laughs> the topic. So I was really, really interested in, in your perspective of all this and how this, because, you know, this is, you know, we, we got we to bring God in this. We have to bring in religion in this because so much of it just contradictorily doesn't line up despite the mm -hmm. fact that we are supposed to. I want to hear your thoughts, Mark. What's your thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly what Chris said right before we started the call, Chris mentioned a very special word, which is the word redemption. And, and you know, the story of the gospel is all about redemption. And I think hearing the story of Marie is definitely one of redemption. There's a verse that says all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. And sometimes it seems that individual situations um, are not working in our favor. Um, but when we put everything together, we see the good that can come out of it. And I definitely see that verse manifesting through Marie's life. You know, her history, you know, um, leaving Haiti as a child, growing up in Houston, you know, all the things that happened there in Houston, being locked up, getting deported. And out of all of that, still able, um, you know, to have impact, still able to smile, to have joy um, and, and, and to be successful. I mean, it's a blessing. It really shows that all things do work together. And so, you know, I just want to say thank you again, Marie, for sharing it. I know it's not something that's easy to share. And, you know, while we're fighting to, you know, get the stigma, um, you know, away, um, you know, also being, you know, aware that there is stigma attached um, and that, you know, people who don't want to share it, they are valid in their feelings, which makes this, you know, even more special, Marie, that you're able to speak um, and, and, and share your testimony on this. So thank you for bringing a lot to something that's often kept in the dark. Um, and we, you know, we look continue to look forward to hearing your story and, and what you do. And hopefully once we're back, once we get back to the island, you know, we can connect and link up and all that. That's right. I just, I thank you, you guys so, so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And, you know, one of my favorite verses, because you are a pastor, I will leave it with this. First John 4, 4, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Yes. For all deportees, that's what you remember. That's yeah. what you stand on, okay? Do not let anybody discourage you with their beliefs, this and that, because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Preach wow. it. Preach wow. it. Powerful, Mary. Thank you so much. Listen, this is, we actually stretched out our usual time just because the richness of Miley's story was so in, so impactful, so incredible. I wanted to be able to get every aspect of it without skipping over any of it. And I feel we've gotten the full dosage of, of such an impactful story. This is what the Haitian 
Diaspora Living Haiti podcast, Mapimpo IT. And literally, in this case, we really did have a situation where Mapimpo IT in that sense. So, so that part, this podcast really, you know, it's such a pleasure to be able to get these stories out, get these conversations done. And this is what we, we, we do every week. Every week we're here, we're having these conversations. And so, if you like this conversation, if you enjoyed this, first off, make sure you subscribe to what you're, how you're listening to it, because we're on everything. We're on um, uh, YouTube, we're on Facebook, but also we're on Spotify, we're on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, on everything. We're on everything. So make sure, however you're listening to it, make sure you, 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 you like it because we're dropping every episode. And then on top of that, leave a comment. You know, I, well, we welcome the conversation. These are conversational pieces we're bringing in. Make sure you leave a comment, right? And, and let us know your feedback because uh, it's, it's really important. Five stars too, however you felt after listening to it. And I want to thank, again, my co-host, Mark Antoine, the pastor. I want to thank Mighty Life and Hate. Again, we're going to leave her information below, right? So make sure to go to Mighty's page. Make sure to like, like, like it. Subscribe. She has so much content out there. Um, real, just real, true content out there. So make sure you give her a subscription, right? It's really important. You got to get Mighty's story out there, right? And listen, guys, uh, this is where we're going to end it. Until we're back at it again, we'll be back at it again. Peace. Peace.